Sermons. This is the morning session of Sunday the 12th of December 2008, entitled God's Preparation for the Birth of His Son. And the Bible reading is taken from Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. Galatians chapter 4. I am going to invite you to stand now to honor the reading of God's Word from Galatians chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Father, we thank you so much this morning, Lord. Lord, for the privilege of being in your house, we thank you, Lord, for each of the readings that we have heard read, the carols that we've been able to sing, reminding us of that day when you entered this world through that manger there in Bethlehem. Father, we thank you so much for loving us enough to do all that you did. And Father, as we are gathered here in your house this morning, Lord, we pray that you would just meet with us in these next few moments, Lord, that through that spirit that you sent to dwell within us, that you would speak to our hearts, to each one. Father, you know each and every heart here this morning better, better than we know our own. And Lord, we pray that you would meet the need of each one as only you can. For it's in Christ's name we pray, amen and amen. Well, if you've not been with us over the Christmas period before, one Special blessing, special treat that our folk get during these days is they get shorter sermons from me uh, because uh, I promise not to keep you long this morning after all of the readings, but to share a few simple thoughts because I guess this is one of my favorite scripture readings of all. I guess if you look at the overall picture of what he's giving us there in those few verses, he's just reminding us. You know, uh, many of us would have wills in this world, testaments, that, of course, would make promises to those that are going to be left behind when we leave this world. But he's saying to us, what good is it to be an heir? Because to be an heir is nothing without that promise being sealed. And, of course, that promise can only be sealed by death. That will doesn't become effective until you die. We find that as we will look here in just a few moments that God had made us many, many promises throughout the Old Testament. And the truth was is that the only way, though, that those promises could become a reality was for his son to enter this world. And through his son, then we could be adopted into his family to be his sons, to become joint heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And I guess one of the things that we think of when we think of Christmas many times is all the preparation. All the preparation. I know that even for today, I know that the children have prepared. They've been practicing their songs for weeks, practicing their readings so that they could get up and read them to you uh, this morning. We know that many of you have been preparing the very food that we will enjoy together following this service, and there are even some up there preparing now for, uh, for that meal that uh, we will be enjoying together. And people prepare in lots of different ways. Some people are smart enough to begin preparing very early. And some of them, like me, at the last minute, the list is still longer than all that I'll ever get done. But what I want to say to you this morning, and, and I'm going to remind you once again, that it's not the date on the calendar of December the 25th. As a matter of fact, I, there are a few of the Christmas songs, carols that uh, I shy away from uh, because I guess bottom line is they're just not scriptural. Um, you know, we don't know that it was in the dead of winter when the Lord Jesus Christ came in. Most likely it was... Uh, it was not. Most likely it was more a springtime or whatever. The thing is, we don't know the date on the calendar. Uh, God didn't choose to give us that date. Uh, dates are something that uh, we find very few of in the Scriptures. Matter of fact, the day that most of us look forward to as believers more than any other is the return of the Lord Jesus Christ to this earth once again. But he says, no man knows the date. No man knows the hour. Uh, but we find that... Uh, uh, it's not the date that uh, we are celebrating, but the birth of Jesus Christ, the entering of God into this world in flesh is worth celebrating. And so it's this Christmas that uh, uh, don't be worried too much. That happens to be the date on the, uh, on the calendar, but it's what we are celebrating that is important. But what I want you to realize is that with all of your meticulous preparations, even if you're one of those that begins very early and gets everything done ahead of time so that there's no last-minute rushing around, the thought that I want to leave with you simply this morning is God's preparation for the birth of His Son. God's preparation for the birth of His Son. Now I look around and, you know, the thing is, is that many of you here today will know what kind of preparations often go into a child being born into this world. And particularly when as parents, it's that first child that's born. Because it's normally at that time that you have to begin from scratch and prepare everything. I mean, you've got to, to have a place, a room for them, and you've got to get in all the furniture, and you've got to get all the, the baby clothes and all those things to prepare for that child to enter this world. And we often will begin very early. Uh, some people even begin before that the child is even on its way. They begin making plans for that child that's going to come. But I want you to recognize that God made preparation, not for December 25th, but for the birth of his son into this world, which is what we as Christians are celebrating at Christmas. And as we look at that, I just want to give you a few things in God's preparation this morning of how he prepared. You see, 
the Bible teaches us that Jesus Christ, as we have heard read there in John chapter 1 already this morning, Jesus Christ did not come into existence when he entered into Bethlehem's manger. Jesus Christ just came into this world. As a matter of fact, we know that in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, the Bible begins in the beginning. In John chapter 1 verse 1, the Bible begins in the beginning. In Genesis it says, in the beginning, God. You see, we never have to prove God simply was. In the beginning, God created. Elohim, the three in one. We find that in John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word. We find that God prepared a book. God prepared a very special book that would record the memories and the predictions of all that we needed to know about the birth of His Son into this world. A coming king. He wrote about it. We find that the first prophecy that we read in scriptures is right back in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15 when he promised that someone was going to come even then after Satan had tempted Adam and Eve there in the garden. We find that he told of one that was going to come to defeat that Satan that was there. In Genesis chapter 49 and verse 10, he said that someone was coming and he used the name Shiloh. Shiloh. Why? Because his name means a deliverer, a savior. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7, we heard that reading this morning. You see, not only did he say that one was coming to defeat Satan, not only did he say that that one was going to be a deliverer and a savior, but he said that that mighty one that was coming was going to be God himself. Almighty God. We find that in Isaiah chapter 53 verse 2, he described how that that Messiah would come in humble conditions. In Micah chapter 5 verse 2, we heard there that he even told, what village that he would come to? That village called Bethlehem. We find that the world will try to give us so many reasons to doubt. But then as I begin to go back to God's Word and I begin to read, it makes me sometimes, even when I'm just on my own in, in, in my own little, little world, just want to shout and praise. How could someone not believe that there was a God? How could someone, even with their scientific and mathematical calculations, how could anybody believe that thousands of years before this event, that as the events were foretold and foretold and foretold, God was preparing a book, His Word. And He took the time to write that book. And he used those prophets of old and he gave us all of those prophecies so that when his son came, there could be no doubt. 
You know, he could have written his message in the stars, in the heavens. He could have done it to where you had to have some kind of uh, astronomer's degree to be able to read it. But God chose to give it to us through the hands of mankind, through those men that he called and set aside. We call it the Bible. We call it the Word of God. Aren't you glad that God gave you the Word? Can you imagine the world without the Bible if nothing existed? God went to the trouble to give us His Word. And one of the things in preparing for His Son to come, He told us over and over and over again through the Old Testament all of these prophecies that one day would be fulfilled through his son. Of course, today, instead of the Bible, the world has replaced it with the Christmas catalogs, <laughs> the wish books. But folks, there is no substitute for the child of God in Christmas. Those events that God talked of thousands of years before they came, God prepared a book in preparing for the birth of his son. And he gave us the very details of that birth and how it would take place and where it would take place and what he would do when he came. Oh, and I challenge you, you want to get a little bit excited? Go back and read those prophecies in the Old Testament and then look where they were fulfilled in absolute detail in the New Testament without fail. We could spend much time there this morning, but God didn't just take the time, Brother Steve, to prepare a book. God prepared a people. You see, he wrote that book and he used people to do it. But then we find in Genesis, I'm sorry, in Deuteronomy, chapter 14, and in verse 2, the Word of God says, For thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God, and the Lord hath chosen thee to be a peculiar people unto himself above all the nations that are upon the earth. I guess that typically for short that most people would just simply call them the Jews. They are the people of Israel the descendants of one that God set aside and called out by the name of Abraham. You see, God took time in preparing. And God called out this man, Abraham, a man that would trust him, a man that would trust him enough to be obedient, even when he didn't understand all the reasons why even when he was obedient to, to go where God sent him without knowing exactly where he was going. But he was obedient unto God. In man's eyes, they were not always the greatest people on the face of the earth, but they were God's people. You see, through various reasons, God prepared that people and part of that preparation meant that part of the time they were in exile, part of the time they were slaves to other people. God took them 
Just like a potter takes that clay and he molds them into what he needs them to be. You see, one of the things that you see when you look at the nation of Israel, when you look at the Jewish people, you find that they, they weren't all that different from any of us today. Stubborn, hard-headed, rebellious, contentious, sometimes disobedient, idolatrous at times. You know what? I'm glad that then and now God still works on stubborn, hard-headed, rebellious, contentious, disobedient, idolatrous people. He worked on the nation of Israel, and he's still working on you and I today. Why did he put so much effort into this group of people? Why? Because it was through them that he was going to bring a Savior into this world. This one that he had promised that was coming, it was through this people that he would bring them. Sometimes some people get a little bored in their Bibles when they start reading about so-and-so begat, so-and-so begat, so-and-so begat, so-and-so begat, so-and-so. But you see, it shows how God was always working, always guiding, always preparing for that special day when his son would be born into this world. We find that there weren't any perfect people then and there aren't any perfect people now. One of the amazing things about the word that God prepared was that he showed us the bad as well as the good. He showed us their wrongs as well as their rights. He shows us how that he loved and protected and guided and brought his will about despite the fact that so many times they didn't exactly make his job easy. You see, God prepared for the birth of his son in this world by preparing a book that we still have today, by preparing a people through whom he would bring that son. But God also prepared a world. If you look in Romans chapter 1, verses 18 to 26, the word of God says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. You know, I'll, I'll pause there for just a moment. And I want to remind you once again, you know, a Christian's life, his belief, his hope, his future for all of eternity, is based upon that little thing called faith. But I want to remind you something again this morning. You know, though we should have faith in God because we get to recognize and know and trust Him enough that we know, we know whether we understand it, whether we see it, just as Abraham did, we trust Him. We'll obey Him. Because we know that he's got it right. We know that he's promised 
that it will all work out for you. We see just such a tiny, tiny part of the picture. And yet God not only sees it all right now, he not only sees everything that's happening in the world at this moment, but he sees all that's happened in eternity past and eternity future. Nothing has ever caught him by surprise. And he's saying here today that all are without excuse. Because just look around, folks. It takes faith. You know, our faith is not a blind faith. I find it remarkable. I find it remarkable that somehow that many today that would try to create doubts and destroy our faith in a God and and yet they would prefer to believe that it all just happened by chance. Whether it was a cosmic boom or a cosmic boom that stirred up a big soul of a big bowl of cosmic soup or whatever. Now that to me takes a faith that is far, far beyond when you begin to look at the intricacy of just the smallest living thing and yet look at all of life around you. Look at every living creature. Look at all that it took to keep it all in perfect harmony, not just with our earth, but as you begin to look at the universe and to believe that somehow it just happened by chance. None of you would believe this morning if you came in here and for the first time you saw these seats and they just, boom, just appeared overnight last week. And yet they're not alive. They're nothing compared to even the smallest living thing. God says we're without excuse to think that somebody didn't plan it, that somebody wasn't in control, that there wasn't some kind of order to all this. That, to me, is something that is unimaginable. He goes on in verse 21, he says, Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves who changed the truth of God into a lie and worship and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature, and you can read on and on. People look around today, and they want to blame God. They want to blame God for all the starving children. They want to blame God for all the fighting and killing. They want to blame God for everything that goes wrong in their lives. And yet we find that if I may remind you once again this morning, folks, darkness exists for one reason only. That's when there is no light. <laughs> I've said many times, you can't even measure darkness. You can only measure light. 
Darkness is simply the non-existence of light. You can't measure cold. You can only measure heat. Cold is the lack of existence of any kind of warmth. The reason the world is in the state that it's in today is not God's fault. It's because of a lack of God. It's in such darkness because of a lack of light. We find that, he says here, they've made their own choices. We look around. And folks, don't get me wrong. Every human being alive, Jesus Christ died for. Nobody's ever committed a sin so big that it was too big for what Christ paid on Calvary. But as we look around and we see the homes destroyed, the Bible speaks plainly here that no longer is it a relationship between a man and a woman, but it's between men and men and women and women. You flip your TV on today and society tries to tell you that this is all just normal life. No, it's life without God. It's life not the way that God designed it, not the way that God meant it to be. God prepared a book. God prepared a people. God prepared a world. You see, as we look around, God prepared the world in a lot of ways that I don't have time because my time is gone. We find that God prepared a vast empire called the Roman Empire. And it organized the whole Mediterranean area into one huge vast communications network because God needed to spread the news of his son entering this world. The Greeks had given the world a universal language, the one that was able to record this birth in a more beautiful, detailed, accurate way than any other language could do it. We find that God was in control. His timing was perfect. God prepared a home. We've heard in the readings this morning, and we can look at so many things, you see. Christmas is not about parties and presents and shopping malls. Christmas is not about governments and parliaments and legislation either. Christmas is about a person. Christmas is about family. God prepared a home. He chose a family. He chose Joseph and he chose Mary. We find that God brought his son into this world. Oh, yes, in a way that boggles minds. You know why? People don't even begin to grasp just how big God really is. It's nothing for God. He couldn't bring his son into this world by normal means because he would have been infested with the same sin that you and I. We've read this morning how he prepared and used a virgin. And he brought his son into the world in a way that no one had ever entered before. Joseph was a just man. God chose to bring his son through 
a family. We find that we can say many things about that, but that was just part of God's preparation. God prepared a book, a people, a world with its government and its languages. God prepared a family. God prepared a Savior. We find that the text that we heard read a bit earlier, but when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth His Son. We find that one of the readings that was read earlier in, in John chapter 1, you find there in verse 14, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. God willing, we'll be looking at that verse this evening. God prepared a Savior because man needed a substitute. We find that He sent His Son to give you life. God prepared the stable. He brought His Son into this earth by the lowliest of means. We find that the Bible says He was tempted in all points like as, just like you, just like me. God prepared a choir, the angels, <laughs> to sing of His entrance. You see, the reality is this Christmas, God made a lot of preparations for the birth of His Son into this world. But are you prepared? You see, He did all that so that He could prepare a heart, my heart and your heart, for the birth and the death and the resurrection of His Son. Through the Scriptures, through His people, through the darkness of this world, through a home, through the Savior, through a stable, through a song. That's just, just a small part of all that God did. Has God been preparing you? Has God been working in your life? Sometimes it's through troubles and disappointments and heartaches and obstacles, the things that we don't like. Sometimes it's through someone, maybe even here this morning, someone invited you here. And you're here today because God wanted to speak to you of His love for you. Some of you are here because somebody handed you a gospel tract along the way. Some of you are here because of some godly person that God brought into your life just the right time. You see, God is still working. He prepared all those years for His Son. And He's still preparing hearts for the birth of His Son, not only into this world, but into hearts even today. I wonder today, have you claimed His promises? Is your home ready for Christmas? Have you received the greatest gift of all? This world can offer you much. May I remind you of the simple truth. What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose 
his own soul. You see, Christmas truly can be something special to you this year. Oh, it could be just the tinsel and the glitter, the flashing lights, and maybe even some debt following. Or it could be something very special. God prepared. And do you know what? The Bible tells us that God began his plans even before creation. Before that he created the first man, he had already prepared for your salvation. Folks, that's why Jesus, the Bible puts it very simple. Even these youngsters, these children here this morning can understand Jesus came into world, came into this world to seek and to save that which was lost. That's why he came, for your salvation. Father, we thank you this morning. Lord, though our time has gone and there's much, so much that we could say on this subject. But Lord, just a glimpse of the fact that, Lord, you were preparing all through history, all through human history, and, Lord, even prior to that, before creation, for the birth of your Son into this world. Why? So that each and every one here today even, that their hearts could be receptive, could be prepared to receive him. Father, you want to give life and you want to give it more abundantly. We know that Satan likes to blind the mind and confuse and somehow make people think that there's some other way. But Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Jesus came to do what we could not do. He lived the perfect life that we couldn't live. He died the death to pay for our sins. The wages of sin is death. He died that death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Through Him, through the Savior that was born that first Christmas, through Him, each and every one here today can accept the greatest gift of all, the gift of eternal life that can only come through Jesus Christ. Would you speak to hearts, Lord? Would you bless us? In Christ's name we pray, amen.